0: A mysterious, intriguing, and often misunderstood occupation. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com.
1: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Hacker Factory Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Wiley, the Hacker Maker. In each episode, I have a guest sharing their story and advice on how to get into cybersecurity. And today, I'm really happy to have one of my connections and friends from Twitter, Twitter, uh, Kalila Scott, joining me. Thanks for joining.
2: Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for
1: having me on. It's good to virtually see you. We've interacted on Twitter, but you know, this is the first time we interacted virtually, so...
2: Yeah, this is a great opportunity, though, and it gives us an opportunity to get to know a little bit more about me, and, you know, I I interact with a lot of people via Twitter, so this will be cool for for them to hear my story, my background, um, and being eight months into my first, you know, InfoSec job, my first cyber job, um, I think I'm a great person to speak about, some of the tips and tricks that I use to get into the
1: industry. I, I definitely agree, especially you know, into it eight months, you got a fresh perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, before the show, I've mentioned how s- I've had people from, you know, just entry level. I had someone before they actually got started in the industry, but that fresh perspective makes a difference, you know. People that have been around can offer some good advice, but someone who broke in the industry 10, 15, 20 years ago, things have changed, so yes definitely glad to have you on and just also for people to realize too you know I know you're very active on Twitter so people listening to this this should give you a reason to be active on Twitter you can meet people like this that can help you on your career you know it's easier sometimes when you see someone that's just recently done it than trying to figure it out on your own because sometimes there's not a clear path on how to get in you can go to college and sometimes they teach you the the things you need to know, but sometimes they miss out on the networking piece, Uh, maybe some good tips on interviewing or recommendations for networking and all that. So it's definitely good to have you on. So uh, why don't you start off by sharing about yourself for, for our listeners?
2: Okay. So yes, my name is Kalila Scott. Most people call me Kiki. Um, I'm the founder of Tech Sec Chicks, which is a women's organization that is geared towards uh, supporting women, uh, creating a cyber sisterhood uh, for those that are transitioning or are already into um, the cyber industry. Um, just, it's just good to have a support system, especially among the women um, within this industry. Um, also, I'm currently a security compliance analyst with GHX. Um, again, like I said, I've been there for about eight months, um, which has been really exciting, really fun because I've learned a lot of things in the past eight months. Um, but it's it's really been great. Um, other than that, I can I can go into details about you know my background and some of the work that I did before even transitioning into cyber, um, and and how I got here.
1: Sure, why don't you go into your background because that's one of the things with with our listeners. Someone may have come from the same background, just like as, as I was mentioning, the CAD drafter guest, someone heard that. So the background story is important. It's just like I'm a big fan of, you know, the Marvel movie. So I like a good origin story. Even the bad guy's story is interested in how they got that way. So why don't you share share your origin story?
2: Um, so I have about seven years of management experience uh, with restaurant management uh, with Taco Bell. Um, I was with Taco Bell a total of like nine years. um, And I ended up moving on up to a general manager and running uh, several stores in the Indianapolis area. Um, After that, uh, I kind of took a break from the fast food realm, did a little QA work um, at a warehouse, um, a production facility. And so that, that was very interesting and very different, very repetitive um as with the fast food uh industry you know it's always something different every day always some type of excitement or challenge um that you have to get through um before getting this job um i went back to school in 2019 to purdue university global uh, majoring in information security and assurance and i actually just graduated this past february um during that time i have done help desk work, IT support work, um, just to kind of get, you know, the basics. And, 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 the, and you actually end up getting a lot of knowledge and information doing things like help desk and IT support. Um, you learn how to problem solve. You learn how to deal with people um, within this industry because, you know, somebody may have a problem or an issue and you may need to work around to solve that or know how to handle that and know when to pass it up to somebody higher up that may be able to help or ask those questions um, to get through those issues. Um, So I thought that was a really great experience for me to get, especially while I was still in school. Um, And then I did one internship uh, with Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Florida, um, a cybersecurity internship last summer, actually. And that went well because I got to work with uh, the InfoSec team, the GRC team, um, and also the AppSec team while I was there. So I got to see a a lot of different things while I was there, but it kind of sealed the deal that I wanted to go in the GRC area, which is how I ended up uh, applying for the job that I have now.
1: That's a very cool story. And I really love that you, that you do GRC because, there's too many times people get caught up on wanting to pen test. They want to hack. It sounds all cool and stuff, but there's so many other areas that are needed. And one of the things that I'm finding now, too, is people trying to get started. If they're trying to get started as a red team or a pen tester, they're having more of a difficult time because those are the jobs everyone wants. But what you're doing is important. And the good thing about it is is with what you learn in GRC, if you move into the other, other area of security, you're going to be even better at that because you're going to be able to relay that stuff to auditors and be able to, if you were doing a pen test, you're going to be able to present that in more of a manner that's useful to management.
2: Absolutely. The documentation is, is really key. Um, it's great to have a pen test within your, your enterprise or organization, um, but it doesn't do anybody any good if we don't understand what you found, how you found it, um, and how we can maybe fix that some remediation things. Um, so yes, definitely those reports. Um, I know a lot of people look at the exciting part of pen testing. Um, but that documentation is equally, if not more important, uh, to that job. So it is a really big deal.
1: Yeah. Without the documentation reports, everything's just pretty much wasted time. <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> yeah. So so Very
1: what, expensive waste of time. Yeah. Cause <laughs> it, with the pen test, that's one of the things people realize when they're getting into pen testing is the reports, the writing that you have to do. And they don't like that. But you know, that's the only thing that a customer or someone in your organization has after the pen test is the information that you found, uh the vulnerabilities and how to remediate it. Without that, it's just it's just useless, you know?
2: Yeah, Absolutely.
1: So, so what attracted you to to GRC?
2: Um, so for me, I had a conversation, um, it was a lady named Kirsten Bracker, um, and she actually gifted me a security plus study guide and, um, exam voucher via Twitter. Um, she was having a giveaway on Twitter and that's how we ended up meeting, uh, John breath introduced me to her and he's like, you know, I know you were talking about wanting to take this security plus, this might be a great opportunity, you know, to get that. And so she gifted that to me. Um, I studied for that, I I passed, uh, not this past January, but the January before, um, and we had a conversation um, the night before I was getting ready to interview for my um, cybersecurity internship. And we were talking about my background work, you know, with Taco Bell and some of the stuff that I've done in the past. And she taught me about those transferable skills. You know, how being a general manager for Taco Bell, you know, you I've already had to be compliant with the health department, with federal work, you know, wages and and, and treatment of employees with, you know, the fire department. You have to keep things up to code, pest control. Like there's so many different things where you have to be compliant and be knowledgeable of those things, whether they're company or state and, and federal regulations. You have to know that stuff that's kind of like what GRC is that's kind of like like what compliance is a security compliance analyst is Um, we ensure that those things are not only in place um, but give different ideas uh, on how we can follow those standards and techniques within our industry within the applications that we're using um, or the systems that we're using so it just all tied back into it and made sense and again, once I did that internship and got to work with the GRC team um, at Blue Cross and Blue Shield, it just kind of really sealed the deal for me because I had already been thinking about that in the back of my mind, um, but it really sealed the deal for me because it just made a whole lot of sense. I do enjoy the, the documentation. I do enjoy working with policy standards and procedures, um, and I do enjoy that, that world. So it just it just all clicked together.
1: That's good. Definitely. When you enjoy what you're doing, it's not so much like work, you know, so that's very Absolutely. important. Yeah. Speaking of Kirsten, I got to meet her and her husband at NOLACON in
2: 2019. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: Okay. Really that's- nice people. That was a fun conference. You ever get a chance to go to that one. That's pretty good. It just recently. NOLACON. NOLACON. Yeah. New Orleans. It's a really good conference. It's two days. And I think it, it just passed. It was in, in May. I kind of missed it because I wanted to go again. Mm-hmm. I was on a, a bore a, uh, panel discussion for bug crowd when I was an ambassador for bug crowd in 2019. So I got to meet Kirsten and her husband and some other, some other really cool people there. But yeah, her husband, I believe is a professor. I think too. I think,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I think maybe she does some teaching as well. Maybe.
2: I right believe here. so. I believe so. I I never met her in person. We just only, you know, via phone or online, but really good people has some really great knowledge. And, you know, that brings me to, the people networking aspect. Um, It's great to people network on LinkedIn, but it's really awesome to people network on Twitter. I've met a community of people that have advocated for me, provided resources, you know, are there when when I need to ask questions. Um, It's just really, really awesome to see that type of camaraderie amongst people um in an industry like this so i wasn't really expecting that when i found infosec twitter um
1: but i'm glad i did like it was it was a game changer for me that's good and that's one of the things i encouraged a lot of my students and mentees over the years to to get on twitter because you know there's a lot of times people are going to share information there before they actually present it in an article or at a conference or you know, a lot of times there's links to that stuff because back at one time, people were following RSS feeds and blogs and stuff. And now Twitter, I mean, you get this information right as it comes out. And the, the cool thing about you can use user lists to filter by the kind of information you want to get. So you could have like a list for GRC folks, yeah. DFIR or whatever, and just kind of filter. So that way, if you need to really look at that stuff for the day. So, yeah, it's that's great that you leverage that. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause it's really something, if you're, you're listening, you need to really, you really need to, to join because I mean, you can learn so much there. And, uh, and the thing is you can pay it forward. You can share what you learn too, just like, like you're doing. And that's great. I really love to see that, you know, some people that are in the industry hadn't gotten into it yet or just new into it, think they don't have anything to share. But, you know, as we was mentioning earlier, people that are new to the industry, they've got a fresher experience on how things are going, you know, don't write off someone that has 10, 20, 30 years experience, but someone like yourself, you just newly got in and you kind of know how things work.
2: Right. Absolutely.
1: So kind of beyond the, like the, the networking, do you have any other tips for, for interviewing and trying to find jobs?
2: Um, I do come across a few um, groups that do, I want to say resume revamping, and then for free, and these are all for free. And then also, we've done at the Tech Tech Chicks a resume revamping session. We've done um, a session there where um, we had Andrew. <clears throat> I don't want to mispronounce his last name, Chantaphone. Andrew Chantaphone. So he's a hiring manager, and uh, he came through, and the girls got to ask you know some questions of what a real hiring manager would look for during an interview. What are some tips that would make us stand out in some of those interviews? Um, we didn't do any mock interviews, but it was kind of like a Q&A to, you know, sometimes we don't have someone where we can ask those uncomfortable questions. We just kind of go into it. Um, so I think it's important to have some of the ladies like connect with some great people that have that experience. That's their job title. That's what they do every day. Um, to really give some great feedback on them, you know, being able to stand out. And out of like the six of us that literally were there from the beginning with the, with the tech sec chicks, I wanna say one, two, three, four, four of us all have cyber jobs now. Okay. So we we've supported each other through that journey and to watch four, five, you know, six people come in new learning, some of us were still in college, some of us were just doing self taught learning on on the on the side and to see a nice amount of us transitioning into new positions within the last year. That's, that's pretty amazing. That's, that's pretty awesome to watch. So
1: Yeah, that's always good to see, you know, your help, you know, translating into jobs and success for other people. So that's great. So, so how long, how long ago did you start uh, Tech Sec Chicks?
2: Um, about two years ago, well, a year and a half ish, almost two years ago. Um, and the main goal for me starting it was, I remember feeling like, you know, you would see a lot of information on Twitter. You would see a lot of conversations. Um, but I still felt like I was going through this alone. Uh, my friends and family, of course, they're always a support system for me, but they don't know the tech side of things, so it's, had to, it's hard to have some of those conversations with them because they just don't understand it or they don't get it. Um, so I just remember feeling like it would be really nice to have a nice sisterhood where, you know, even if we're not talking tech, we we have a mental health ch- channel where we can vent, we can, you know, be vulnerable. Um, we have a bunch of different channels where we can share information that we are learning as we go with others. Um, but I just felt like that would be a nice thing to have and, and be nice for me to be be able to provide to someone else that, that sisterhood and that friendship. Um, and so I just, you know, kicked it off and I was like, okay, we're going to get, we're going to get a discord going, see if we can get some people in there, you know, um. And again, originally it started with like six of us and then it just kept growing and growing. Um, And there's at least over 100 women in there. Um, But I definitely want to, I haven't been as involved as I I used to be in there just due to a lot of uh, family things that have been going on, especially within this year. Uh, But I do want to take it to the next level where, you know, we are going to high schools talking to, you know, some of the students there just breaking the stigma of what cybersecurity really is. A lot of people believe that it is hackers just in dark rooms and just, you know what I mean? Like there's so much more to it. There's a lot of positions there that you don't have to be technical to to get into this industry. There are a lot of positions where you don't have to know how to code to get into this industry. Um, So we want to make sure that they have the full overall picture um, and to, especially in the inner city schools, you don't have people walking into those schools to have those conversations or to even talk about tech in general and the career opportunities that are out there. I want to be a part of that change where some of these students that are, you know, black and brown and look just like me, see someone like me walk into there and have those conversations and let them know there's there's more out here than, you know, a doctor, a lawyer, or, you know, a nurse. It, there's so many different opportunities that are available. And I wanna make sure that they know about it before, you know, getting out of school and making their decision on what they wanna do.
1: Yeah, that's, that's great and would be much needed because that's one of the things that, That's sad to see sometimes because some of the kids in inner city schools may think the only way to get out of the situation they're in is to get a scholarship, become a professional athlete or be a performer. And that's not all it. They don't realize sometimes they may be really good at video games. Maybe they would make a good pen tester. You know, there's things, skills that they have that are more attainable than, you know, because if you just have to depend on being a professional athlete or an entertainer, that's few and far between that can succeed in that.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So
1: so since you've kind of worked with I know your experiences, having a college background as well as certifications and with your experience with your group, so do you think a college uh, diploma, a degree is required to be, uh, you know, working in cybersecurity?
2: Oh, no, absolutely not. I I don't even think it should be required. I think it should be, you know, if someone goes to college for cybersecurity or InfoSec, I think that should be a choice for them um, in their learning style. If they're comfortable in that learning style, which I was, um, that's the, and and number two, I had no idea all these free resources were even out here. So that's a, a whole nother thing as well. Are we actually talking to the youth about all the free opportunities and free content out here that can help get them ready uh, to have a job in cyber. Um, I didn't know that. And again, I didn't even know this community existed as well. So I took the route of what I knew best, me being older, like I'm 41, so (laughs) I'm old school with it. You know, that, that was (laughs) the gist. you know, you graduate, you go to college, you know, that whole spiel. And so I found the program and I liked it. It seemed like it started at the beginning and then worked this way into security. And I thought that would work best for me, which it did. Um, I actually learned a lot from that program with Purdue global. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's not mandatory. It wasn't, it wasn't the deal breaker of me getting the job that I have now. That was not a, re- that was not even remotely a requirement. It was a, you know, would like to have, but you don't have to have it. Um, The same thing with the certifications. Um, Not all the time is that a requirement for some of these positions that we're seeing coming up now. I think in the past it has been a requirement, um, but I think they're just like to have going forward with with most companies. Um, I think we're getting that message out there to some of these hiring managers and CISOs that, You know, whatever used to work is maybe not going to work now. So we're seeing, you know, some changes. We're seeing transparency with salaries, uh, you know, ranges. We're seeing the difference. Now, it may not be every company. Um, It may not be industry wide, but we are seeing some of those differences. And And I think it's helping to bridge that gap between The entry level people, or the newcomers, new transitioning people, into getting into those positions.
1: Yeah, I think salary transparency is a good thing. Well, even if your company doesn't do that, if anyone listening, talk to people that have jobs in that field, understand what the range is like, because you know, a way of managing that I don't think is—it's kind of old school, but I don't agree with it—is is one to where you don't want anyone to share salary information because you don't want the new person that's been there a year to realize, I could leave and go somewhere else and double my salary or get a significant raise. One of the things I really don't like to see companies do is take advantage of the new people, You know, give them two or 3% and not just give them some significant bumps along the way because what's gonna happen there, they'll end up leaving once they find out that they're, they're being underpaid.
2: Right, yeah. It just helps with the, the retention issue um, cause the goal is just not to get someone in there. The goal is to get them there and, and to have, have them want to stay there. Um, that's really the end game because if you're getting somebody in new every year, that's a lot of transition. That's a lot of, you know, Hey, you gotta get to know this person. They have to get to know you. They have to learn the company. Like you spend more time on that the first six months than actually, you know, doing the job. So.
1: Yeah, just getting to know the company, the industry. Say if you're working for a financial company, getting that industry knowledge, because that's one of the things that well, you carry with you when you go on somewhere else. You may be at a financial company, a bank, or mortgage company for X amount of years, but then you're more attractive to the next bank or mortgage company you move on to, or healthcare, or whatever the industry may be.
2: Definitely.
1: So that's very cool that uh, you've got to experience the the different aspects. People without the degrees and without certifications getting in the job. And one of the things I like to share too is some people. Uh, I like that you're you're sharing the message that you don't have to do it a specific way. But one of the things I've been trying to mention here lately is there's people in the industry that put down degrees or certifications, and I'm just and one of the things I like to share is if that's what you need then take the route you need. Some people need more structure because trying to figure it out, you know, like you said, when you got started, you was unaware of all these other resources. So you needed someone to help you. And for people to think about that, you got help. It doesn't mean it's easier either. If College right. may be hard for some people. If you have a hard time with deadlines and all this in a specific way, then you may need to go the self, self-study route. You may need more flexibility in that. But if you need guidance, I mean, it's good anyone that gets a degree or certification, it's not going to hurt you unless you get a certification and just memorize the questions, get the certification, not understand it.
2: Yeah. And that's not really helping you in the long run. I think um, you're right. There are people that are great test takers, um, but don't retain any of that information. And that's to me, that would hurt somebody in the long run. The security plus has a lot of information overall, like, amount of information on different topics, different domains that I think are extremely helpful. Um, so if I would advocate for one, it would be that one in the security realm. Um, I liked it, I, I liked the content. Like i used um, like a Jason Dion course on Udemy and um, some Professor Messer videos and then I found some practice questions for free online. There's a lot of resources that you don't have to pay for um, to help you through some of those certifications. But again, the end game is to actually get something from it to be able to take something from it.
1: Yeah, mentioning the Security Plus, I think the CompTIA is a really good base for anything. If you've got no, if you're wanting to go more into the technical side of things, you can go through A Plus, Network Plus, and that builds a good base. And I really like the way they all kind of fit together they kind of mentioned some things because when i was teaching at dallas college i switched to the pentest plus so my students could get a certification but one of the things i liked was looking at like the sec plus that they're mentioning security assessments and pen testing. before you get into it they don't go dive deep into it but they let you know about it so you're learning about the different areas of security and i really love the way it built they all build on each other like that
2: yeah same thing for the network plus um they touch on you know network security a little bit in the security plus and i think that's important as well so
1: yeah so. i think that's that's a good good vendor neutral cert too because you know cisco informations helpful but when you do go that route it's it's vendor specific and something right. like network plus you're learning networking in general and not just you know for some specific platform
2: definitely definitely
1: So we're getting down towards the end of the show. Is there any advice that you'd like to share that that maybe you didn't cover?
2: Um, I think I covered most of it. But again, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to reach out to people. You will find out that even some of the people with the high follower counts are really down to earth. They don't mind answering questions or pointing you in the right direction of someone um, that can answer those questions for you. Um, I definitely, I like when people do reach out to me, I get, you know, people still in my DMS, like some, sometimes I get messages on LinkedIn and I usually like to try to put together like a zoom call, like a Friday afternoon zoom call and get everybody together and just say, Hey, I'm going to free my time up. You can ask me all the questions that you want if I have access to certain resources, um, then I will definitely share that with everyone. Um, and, and you just kind of can do it all in one. And it's, it's nice for them to get to meet you and see you. And, you know, because sometimes we tend to put people on this pedestal that they're not even aware that they're on <laughs> or don't want to be on. Um, but I want people to know that I'm, I'm human just like them. I'm still learning just like them. Um, and it's okay to have someone that you can reach out to from time to time, um, and ask any questions that you, that you want answered. Um, so I just like to be a human to people. as <laughs> <There's laughs> I can in a tech world. So
1: I love that. That's a good way. You need, people need authentic role models because as you said, people are on a pedestal sometimes, not that they put themselves there, but perception sometimes is not always true. So, you know, finding someone that's real and authentic, that's good because they're going to give you more accurate information. They're not going to give you useless information, but it's really great to see you succeeding and really great to see you giving back on such a big scale like you are uh, so early into your career. And it's really great that you were doing that beforehand. So thanks for everything you do for the community.
2: Definitely. No problem. Um, I'm definitely thinking, and I'll probably give it a while because I still have a lot to learn, but I would love to in the future put together like a GRC introductory course um, for students because I do get a lot of questions um, about GRC now that I'm in that role. Um, and I would love to just have some, some centralized location where they can find that information, um, kind of quiz themselves on it, do some videos for them. Um, but I, I would love to do something like that in the future Uh, because I think it's needed. You don't hear a lot about GRC. It's just not one of those areas of cyber that people talk about. Uh, But I want to be an advocate for putting that in the forefront because it's just equally as important as every other section of cyber. So,
1: yeah, it's a high in demand field. I mean, it's kind of like one of my supervisors from Dallas College used to say he would tell students they're going through here, you know, maybe they didn't like Certain things or, you know, with the compliance thing where everybody told them, say, hey, if you want a job making six figures and you do this, you should give it a try. And I think some people just kind of overlook that opportunity. And I would think with the demand, I'm sure the pay should be pretty good. When you got something everyone's wanting yeah. to work in, that there's people that would, you know, wouldn't require or want a lot of money to work because they're doing what they're wanting to. But well, you got something out here that not as many people are wanting to get into, then I would think the money would be good there.
2: The money is good. <laughs> the money is good. I will yeah. say that. <laughs> and that's just even at entry level. The money oh, it's is good. Really good. So
1: that's awesome. So uh, thanks for thanks for joining the show and thanks for sharing your story and advice.
2: Thank you for having me again. I, I, I definitely enjoyed being here. Um, I noticed you have your B-Sides shirt on. I'm actually going to my first B-Sides in Las Vegas in August.
1: Awesome. So I'll see you there. Oh,
2: you're going to be there?
1: Yeah, I'll be there. I'm working in the, the Higher Ground Career Village, and I submitted a talk, so I'm going to be speaking there, but yeah, I'll be there.
2: Oh, that is absolutely awesome. Yeah, this is my first in-person conference, uh, so I'm really excited to go, and uh, I will put this out there for anybody listening um if you can find me on twitter is uh at underscore key underscore twice with a y um if you can find me on twitter and dm me i have an extra free ticket with a badge and a t-shirt um let me know and it's yours if you're planning on going to b-sides in las vegas in august let me know and i got some free stuff
1: Awesome, awesome. <laughs> well, I look forward to, to seeing you there.
2: Definitely. I look forward to it too. Thank
1: you so much. So, so thanks again, and thanks everyone for joining. We'll see you on the next episode.
0: Buck Crowd's award winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Hacker Factory podcast with Philip Wiley. If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSBmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues.